Glad I got batteries in that. Did not turn on. Um, so if we look at, at Joshua chapter five, what do we? Um, what's the kind of the first thing we see with the people that are in that, uh, inhabiting the lands at the time? What 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 happens to them? God sets them apart by circumcision. <clears throat> A little bit before that. Before that, that's chapter 5. So. Chap- chapter 5. The fear of the kings that were already there. Yeah. So as soon as the kings of the Amorites and who were beyond the Jordan the, to the west and the kings of Canaanites were by the sea, they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over it, and their hearts melted. And there was no longer any spirit in them because the people of Israel. So this is... This is the slaves that have just wandered through, and all of a sudden, like, what, what are the people of the land thinking as these people are entering it? We're dead. Do you think news of what happened to Egypt has, like, made it to them by now? Like, what, what do you think that some of the process in their mind is going through? Is like, these people just carried this weird golden thing across what we've always seen never stop. And it stopped, and it was dry, and they get across to the other side. Like, what do they anticipate is coming for them? Well, Rahab had heard about it, so you know they knew about it. But what what are they thinking is coming? Death, judgment. Yeah, it's not a missionary trip. This is <laughs> this is conquering. Like, here is this nation, and who's on their side? God. God. And so, like, their spirit, like, it's interesting. Like, they melted, and their, their spirit, like. Like, yeah, there, there's there's not a whole lot that's going on. So that's that's what the people around them are thinking as they're coming in. And I think it's helpful for us to understand, like, that's the stage that God is setting for them. Uh, and then after that, Jack, what, what, do we, what do we run into? The first God sets them apart through circumcision. Circumcision. So my understanding of circumcision when it was, was given, it was one of those things you're supposed to perpetually do. It's not like every time there's a new generation, he's like, hey, everybody, let's, let's go have a big circumcision party. Like, that's, that's like not like a thing. But um, we see particularly here that, that this is a whole new generation. So this is, uh, you know, we knew that, it was just stated, but all of a sudden we're looking at this. And so what, is, what does it mean already here that we're looking at about God's people and before they're able to enter the promised land and really do anything, that they're having to circumcise all of their males. Like, what does that, what does that show about the people? They should have already been doing it. They should have been doing it. But he's, he, he shows he wants to be obedient, Joshua. Joshua wants to be obedient, but particularly it's like, stuff means stuff. Like, when, when the Lord says things, like, he, he really means for you to do it. Like, there's an aspect of, like, before you kind of go in, we see something very similar when Moses is, is heading in and he's one of his children isn't isn't circumcised. You know, there's this whole like Zipporah and she cuts the plant and puts it on his feet. You know, and it's like, what's going on there? But there's this idea of like, wait a second, you're about to enter into the promised land and I've directly told you things to do and you've just not done them. We don't know why. I mean, he wants to circumcise their child. Like, I mean, there's, there's some questions of that, but all of a sudden they stop and then uh, but they, they do that, and then what's the, the next thing that they do after that? Passover. Passover. So is it interesting at all that we have circumcision, and then we have Passover back-to-back? Like, <clears throat> before they go in, what, what do we look at in our modern day? Like, what, do we, what are our two sacraments that we look at? Baptism 
baptism and the Lord's Supper. The, the two replacements for this, all of a sudden, boom, like, we're seeing this before you go into battle, before you go do these things, like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, just some interesting things. Uh, and then we also see this kind of, like, recommitment, this whole, like, okay, uh, here we are, this is what we're going to do, um, and they set up kind of the thing, and, the, and they worship the Lord. Like, this is, this is, this is a really good start. Like, this is awesome. Okay, and then um, we move into uh, Jericho. You know, this is the one that every Sunday school teacher loves to teach because you get the kids up and they march around. Um, but what are some of the, if we pull back uh, and besides just, oh, he knocked down the walls, and like, what, what are some of the big picture things that we see in the, the fall of Jericho? Ray I'm looking for we see Rahab. We'll get to that one. So hold that one just for for a minute. Commander of the army of the Lord shows up. Yeah. And and so who wins the battle? God. God. Who does all the work? God. God. What do, what do the Israelites do? Obey. They obey, and they just Take kind of walk, walk around. Take a walk and we'll scream. Just, we'll just keep wandering. Like I mean, like we're good at this. Like yeah. thank you, Lord. Um, when it, so so the Lord does everything. Like, they don't throw rocks, they don't throw, you know, arrows, they just, they oh, scream, nice. you know, and, and they, everything, like, so the Lord does everything. And then what is the Lord's, like, his command, and this one I, I didn't remember as well, but his command in it was, don't take anything. It, it's, it's all mine. I did it all. It's all mine. So those are kind of, like, two really big things that we can be aware of at the beginning. It's like, look at the first, the first battle, God does everything. And he says, everything is mine. It's mine. It's like, it's simple. And it's like, okay, you, you did it. You get to keep it. Like, so there's, there's some aspects of, that we should think of that as we're doing. Um, we also see that the story of Rahab in there. Uh, and this is one of those, you know, really amazing pictures of uh, confusion for us. Because we look at Rahab and what was she? Prostitute. Prostitute. And it's like a hero for us um, to, to be... But what is, what it, and when we look at this, you know, this is one of those ones where we can look and we can easily see kind of the idea of, hey, what, you know, what, how do we see Jesus in the Old Testament? When we look at Rahab, what do we start seeing? She's in his lineage. She's in his lineage. So the Lord decides to use this prostitute to, to bring about the seed of woman so that we can have a savior. <laughs> but what else do we have in there? Redemption. Redemption. She was not an Israelite either. So here, here's somebody that's living in the midst of a, of a, a broken and messed up situation. And she looks at this nation coming in and she sees these people come in and she hides them. So who is she trusting in? The Lord. The Lord. So, I mean, she could be like, I'm going to be wise with this. You know, like, I mean, you could look at all that and was it okay for her to lie? And that's always a, a, a whole other discussion. But there's, there's a simple fact of it of like, look she recognized something that a lot of these other nations didn't realize. This is the Lord. This is something different than these gods we serve, and so much so that she's adopted into the family. And so while we look at the hardships of it, uh, throughout all the Old Testament, we see these weird kind of things. Like when the Israelites left, some Egyptians went with them, which is really weird because it's like, well, they, they're just this mean, you know, terrible people. It's like, no, like there were some people that saw it, and they had eyes to see it, and their hearts weren't hardened. But... Here's Rahab, and all of a sudden she's living in the midst of all this. All of a sudden she sees the great light of sorts, and then, boom, she's, she's in this thing of salvation. Like, 
here she is. She she sees it. Um, so so we see that. Off after that, we also see there's this amazing man, uh, Aiken, and and what does he do? He's aching for trouble. Aching for trouble. Um, so he he does what? Takes stuff that's not his. And what does he what does he think he can do with that? He can get away with it, but nope. Well, yeah. They start losing. Nobody will nobody will see this. And so what is, what does his sin do for the nation of Israel? Causes them to lose an eye. Yeah. So all of a sudden, they're like. We got this. Like, the Lord's doing all this work. And all of a sudden, it just takes one person, and they're doing their own thing. Like, no one's going to notice. And it's like, oh, wait, somebody did notice. Like, the one that's doing all the work. Um, so so there's, a, there's a piece where, as we, as we start to process that, uh, there's, there's some really interesting thing. We also see that in the early church, there's some parallels. What what happens early church in Acts when all this stuff is going on and you know people are selling their goods and, and bringing them to the Lord? What what do we what do we see that happens as well there? Ananias and Sapphira. And Sapphira. What what do they do? They lied about yeah. the money and. So it's not like like Achan needed all this stuff. So he just wanted it. You know, there's this thing, and all of a sudden we're seeing that in, in the modern-day church as well, or the early churches. You know, it's not that they sold their land and held some of it back. It's that they, they said they didn't, you know. And it did that affect the whole church? Yeah, I, I mean, there's like this whole, like, there was the work of daring, digging a hole, but then it's like, whoa, uh, how does this work? And so there's there's this realization that as we look at that, it's like <clears throat> sin amidst the camp, sin amidst of, of God's people doesn't go unnoticed. Like that's that's a thing that the Lord is aware of. That's a thing that He goes uh, after, and uh, and there's there's a reason for it. Um, and again, in that we we have this idea of there's grace, there's redemption, there's all these different aspects that we can that we can bring out that. Um, we also, as we are kind of like chugging along here in chapter nine, uh, there's there's some really smart people. Uh, they're not like Rahab, uh, but they lie like Rahab. Maybe uh, what what do they what do they do? They trick them into a, a, a treaty. So they trick them into a, tr- a treaty, and so they they basically get all their old stuff, put it on. Like, We're just wandering through the land, you know, and like and they give this you know amazing like story. And what do what do God's people do? What Joshua and his leaders do? Don't go to God and they just they fall for it. Yeah. Here's this new new nation, new leaders, and they're like, hey, these people don't want to die. They're just like going through. Like, this seems like a really good a good way. Like, we don't have to kill these people. They could relate. They could relate. Uh, you know, there's there's a whole lot there they're looking at, and they're like, okay. And so they don't seek the Lord, and all of a sudden they make a what? They make a vow with these people, like, "Hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna let you do that," and we'll we'll see later on how that continues to to sow bad fruit for years and generations to come. Because all of a sudden, what was the command to do? Get rid of all. To get rid of all the people, uh, and so one of the things that we see really large in in Joshua is if I was to draw a circle up here and say, "Okay, here's God's people." Um, what what are what are God's people supposed to be doing? Separate. They're supposed to be separate, and so um, I, I um, so if we 
if we have the people in here, so when they come in, all of their they're supposed to be sending out into into the world. They're supposed to be changing it. They're supposed to be the ones in which the Lord is working and changing the world, redeeming the world through it. But what do we actually see happening a lot of times is we see that actually the the world is is pushing in on on God's people, and instead of Instead of remaining true, holding to what they're supposed to do, they're letting the influences of the world, influences of those around their culture, and just particularly comfort. Like they didn't, you know, they didn't want to do the hard work of seeking the Lord. They didn't want to. Do it. So, boom, they're they're in this they're in this situation where it's like, okay, how do we do that? And we'll we'll kind of can see that uh, more and more as as we get and continue on. Particularly, um, that's the first half of Joshua. The second half is is thirteen through twenty four, and as much as you want to do a survey, there are some parts that are just boring in the Bible. Uh, and so you look and you see these kind of like, and they got this land, and they got this land, and they got this land. Uh, and so how do we how do we look at as we're skimming through these or trying to process through? And sure, you can pull out a commentary and you can find more. But for, for the average Christian who's just reading through these these passages, what, what do we do with these? Like, what do these show us? How, do, how does this help us as, as Christians today? See God's faithfulness in fulfilling his promise. Yeah. So there's this, this faithfulness of fulfilling his promise. We see his promise working out. And it's like, I, it's really difficult for me because a lot of times when I read that, I'm like, couldn't we have gotten more New Testament? Like, couldn't we have gotten, like, more of how to deal with some of our modern issues that we're dealing with? Like, why is this in here? Like, and there's, there's this whole, like, come back around and be like, wait a second. God put this in here for a reason, and so I'm going to read this, I'm going to be aware of it, but there's, I think there's also this hope and understanding of, we're going to a promised land in the future. Like, as Christians, we're going to, to the land in which uh, flows with milk and honey far greater, to, to heaven, uh, or the, the new earth, and there's going to be a place for us. Like, there, there's, this, there's this working out of God's plan and how it works, and, and so... That's a stretch, but it's there. Um, there's also the aspect of last week uh, when I thought about um, you know, there's that one chapter where God lists out several times the gifts that were given. He remembers those mm -hmm. that are important. He's doing the same thing here of him giving the gift. It makes it more personal. Those people are being listed. They're being remembered. We're not just part of a body. We are, but we're also intimately known and loved personally by God. Well, and, and some of it, too, is we, we start to see the distinctions of this nation. Like, from, like, they're all known by, like, their, like, dads or whatever, which is, you know, Joshua, or um, when we look at, at the, the family that uh, Joseph came out of, like, that's dysfunction, like, at its, <laughs> at its greatest. And, like, here's all these, these sons, and, and this is the, the names of all of them, but this is this is how the Lord has grown them into like little like mini tribes that are turned into like big tribes, and they all have their purposes. They have so part of that is developing of, you know, they're not all the same. That there is diversity. There is this is the body of the Lord growing, and here it is. Like Jack said, that this is this is the Lord showing like, I, I care about these people. I'm I'm holding my promises true, and I love each one of them. Uh, as we come to the end of Joshua, um, particularly 24. Uh, chapter twenty-four. What what do we what do we see? Um, what's the major appeal that God makes 
uh, that Joshua makes to God's people in uh, chapter 24, verses 4 through six, 14 through 16. Jesus' name will serve. Is that what you're... Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we're looking for. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Yes. Let's, let's go all the way, because that's what we see on the walls everywhere. <laughs> but let, let's start at 14. Uh, what, and somebody want to read that? Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the, God your, the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Okay, so there, there's some, there's like this whole, like, don't do that, I'm going to do this type. You know, A lot of times we forget about the whole, like, you caught who they were, like what they were doing before this. So there's like there's a there's a, a real reality that Joshua is, is seeing what's coming, and is like, let's do this. Um... And so there's, uh, how, how are we left at the end of the book as, as we read Joshua? Like, what's kind of our overall feeling about the nation of Israel and how these things are going? Like, how, how, we, how we feel, like, if we're, if we're thinking and we're, we're, like, maybe in King David's age and we're reading this book, like, how do we, how do we feel, like, as we, as we hopeful. read Hopeful. hopeful. Yeah. Like, God just renewed the covenant. We just took over. We're here in our new home. Everything's good. Yeah, we stumbled a couple times, but we're, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's good. There's some really concerning things, though. They made many of them slaves. Yeah. And that's a big... Yeah, so they made some of them slaves. They, they should have killed them. They should have killed them. Uh, you know, what's some of the reasons that they made them slaves? Because they didn't want to do the work. They didn't want to do the work. <laughs> I mean, hey, if I get free labor. Yeah, so... Okay, so we're we're there's hopeful, but there's still like reality, like you know, there's kind of the back and forth deal, and reality comes in the book of Judges, right? Um, we we get to see all of the fruit that was that was all the seeds that were sown, all of a sudden start to come to to fruition uh, in Judges. Uh, so as we look at at Judges, um, right here. Um, to, to start the book of Judges, we don't know who wrote it. Um, there's there's all kinds of, uh, some people have all kinds of different things, but I'm just going to go with anonymous. God wrote it. Um, and then looking at kind of the overall themes of it and how it works, most, most people um, would say that it was written during the time of David, uh, somewhere, somewhere in that. So whether or not David actually wrote it or had a scribe or somebody else do that uh, is there. Uh, it's an interesting thing, as we look at, at, at Judges, um, oftentimes we look and think that all, it, it was a shorter time period, 336 years. Um, so what what was going on in the United States 336 years ago? <laughs> I'm sure lots of stuff. Yeah, but, but, yeah I mean, like there's, like, okay, like, okay. Uh, I mean, as I was... As I was listening to a lecture on this, somebody brought that up, and they were in England, and like you know, the Westminster Confession, you know, people, it was it was in the seventies, but but they hadn't even met yet, so like 
start putting into perspective all of a sudden of, of what kind of time frame we're dealing with. This isn't another 40 years in wandering in the desert. This is 336 years. How many generations have come and gone in this? Several. So, so there's, a, there's a whole lot of, of time that this is covering. And a lot of times when we read this, it's like a Marvel movie that they're like trying to cram everything into so they can get to like the end scene at the end. But it's like, no, th this was a long drawn out thing. We also need to be aware that oftentimes um, that the judges can be translated into savior. Uh, so there's this idea where they have these like, and I capitalized savior there, and I meant to be little, little, little savior. Um, we see that there's these really flawed people that, that all of a sudden come on the scene and they're, they're saving the people, but in all reality, it's just what, what are they doing? What? Rescuing they're rescuing them. I mean, there, there is a saving part because they're all going to get destroyed or whatever, but they save them, but it only lasts for how long? Till they're gone. Till they're, to, as, as long as they're alive, things are going good. As soon as they die, we'll, we'll get a little bit more. But some of it, too, is as we look at this, there, you know, there's like the 12 judges, all of that. Um, but they sometimes they're, they're, it's really hard to read judges and get like a really good time, kind of like line type of how it's going because... Um, a lot of times they were they were functioning at the same time, so you have to be kind of aware with this. And and there's a lot of times where you read and it's like, well, forty years passed until the next judge. So there's 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 a significant amount of time that happens between in each one of these judges and, and how that works. Um, so if if we look at that, um, we we get kind of uh, if somebody will turn to Judges two one through three, uh, we get kind of a, a first glimpse of of what we call the, the downward cycle of, um, of judges. So be willing to read that. <clears throat> now, the, now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bacham, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. So this is, this is the warning shot at the beginning of this is what we're about to experience. Um, so like, let's put that into like, the context of this new nation. Like, what, did, what did they just get told by the God that's been doing all of this stuff for them? When we when we hear thorn, what are some things that we, we start thinking of? Mm. Pain. Pain. Suffering. Irritation. Fall. Like all of a sudden, like you have to toil the land. All of a sudden there's these thorns. All of a sudden it's like it's gonna have well, to be, depend on me. Yeah. That's kind of what Paul where Paul was. Yeah. So we we think of Paul as thorn in the flesh, but there's all of a sudden these things that, that kind of rush in and allow us to start thinking of like Oh, the Lord, the Lord is, is like, there's judges, but then there's also, like, the judge who's kind of like, hey, be, be, be aware of what's happening here. So we start if anybody's see, ever tried to run through a thorn patch, not pleasant. No. And that's kind of what he's talking about here is they'll, you know, really thorns in your sides to snare you. As you're going along, they're going to be tearing you down. So you back. looking at that, what are, what are some of the things that are going to, to hurt slash tear down the nation of Israel. You can go by false gods. 
so there's like the, the physical, like, hey, you know, these, these people are going to be here and they're going to like poke you with pointy things. But then there's also like the whole, like, these gods that you're around, what are they going to do? They're going to hurt you. They're going to distract you. They're going to keep you from worshiping me. Um, does that, does that bother anybody else? Like, as you read that, like, Lord, why, why are you choosing to do that? Like, why, why is it like, if we, if we read, you know, about Gideon, he gets, you know, does all those amazing things. And at the end, he asks everybody to pull off their earrings and throws it in. He makes his ephod. And what happens with that? They all start worshiping it. And it's like, didn't, didn't they learn with the golden calf? Like, this is not a good idea. Like, I mean, at what point do these stupid people like not worship the things of this world? Like, that's kind of the common question that we keep asking as we read this book. Um, but then when we look at our own lives, we maybe should ask the same question. Um, so one of the things that we'll see with this in Judges is we see that there's this cycle. There's this this reality of all of a sudden uh, there there's a season of good, and then what starts happening? Disobedience. They start doing evil. But at the end of the book, they say everybody does what was right in their own eyes. So life gets comfortable. They start taking their eyes off of who? God, and they start looking to what? Idols. Idols. And then what happens after they start looking to idols? They start going down. God starts using what to bring judgment to them? Defeat from other people. Exile. Yeah. Also. So again, we're we're looking back at why did why did Israel get the promised land? Like, what was their purpose? What were they doing in there? They were bringing judgment to these people that were not worshiping, that were not following the Lord. And all of a sudden, once they start acting like those people, what does God start doing? Same thing. Same thing. And He's using the same people that they were supposed to bring in. So there's this like constant like. Okay, uh, and so we we see that. What happens after we see that that start to coming? What do God's people do? Repent. Cry out. They, 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 why, Lord? You know, and then repentance comes afterwards. Like my comfort has been been you know robbed from me. Like I I don't deserve this. And then it's like, well, maybe I do. Um, and so they cry out. And then what does God do? Sends a judge. And, and the judges are these amazing people that don't sin and, and do everything perfect, right? <laughs> so what like what do we see when when all of these judges come up? Ourselves. We see ourselves in in being the judge, or we see his grace, and just re- regardless of this, in that cycle, continuous cycle, um, restoring them, giving them another chance, not just once, but multiple times. We see this redeeming characteristic of the Lord, where it's like you know, the garden. We saw it. We saw this like. They're not going to be able to get out of this. Like, there's nothing they can do. And all of a sudden, we see these people show up on the scene. It's like, you know, here's Samson. Like, this guy, like, it makes me so angry to read about him because I'm like, just don't do it. Like, <laughs> she just showed you her true colors. Like, don't do it. You know, and now I'll, I'll, just, I'll just play with fire a little bit longer. None of these guys, if they're writing their own biography, you know, that's what's so great about the Bible. It's, it is just raw, you know, I mean, Gideon's not going to write that he questioned the Lord a couple times. He's going to say, no, I obeyed right away. Yeah. You know, I wasn't hiding and, you know, like, I was, I was, yeah, I, there's, there's all these, these aspects where we see these, these people come on the scene and they're all, they're all this, this kind of savior, little ass savior, where they're doing the thing, they're, they're, they're looking at it, but like, 
are they like what's their what's their normal role like as like what are they doing to bring God's people back? Like I'll I'll be prophet prophet priest or king. Like what what is their prophet prophet? It's like in 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 some way like truth telling truth telling. They're they're like hey this is it. But they're also going out on the battlefield, some of them, and they're they're fighting and, and all of that. But there's this, there's where's the priest at? Like where's where's this following? Like there's some some real wrestling in our minds that we start to look at, and it's like, how does this work? Where what are we doing with this? Um, and so as, as we're wrestling with that, we also see that every time this happens, what happens to to the bar, like or to the overall health and and beauty of God's people after every judge. Lower. lower, like the bar keeps getting lower and lower and lower and lower, uh, where we're, we're really at the point, kind of at a point where like hope is continuing to like disappear. It's, it's this, you know, there's this sadness that's continuing to go in. Um, there's, there's some really interesting stories in there about a left-handed man that, you know, kills somebody on the toilet and leaves them, you know, like, uh, it's just like, why, how did, huh? Um, and so like... There, there's some aspects of that. If we read uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, what does that what does that teach us, or what do we what do we see about a lot of these these judges? They're in the hall of faith. They're in the hall of faith. So if you looked at the life of Samson, uh, would you would you think of him as as a very faithful man? No, uh, but yet the Lord chose to use him and then also included him in the hall of faith. You know, what what about some of these other these other people? I mean even we've got the you know, Gideon and you know we've got the Gideons and I don't want to offend any of them, but like was he like really that great of a leader or like would you like if you're like picking like the, the, the person you want to lead you, is he the guy that, that you want? I wonder if he might have been the best of the worst. <laughs> he might have been the best of the worst. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it goes back to the, like Abraham, like or Abram. You know, it's like this guy wasn't like this this awesome thing. Somebody asked me the other day, it's like, can you name a good father in the Bible? And it's like the Lord. <laughs> it's like besides that, like that's, that's all. Like, but there's. There's this real realization that all these people should we go bang on the wall back? Yeah. <laughs> um, no wonder they want to switch rooms. They did drink. Us. Um, the, it probably our kids. It probably is. <laughs> pick us up. Pick us up. It's, it's, they're doing like the Morse code in there. Um, the so as, as we're we're seeing this, um, it's completely lost for going that for some reason. God uses a lot of people. God uses a lot of people. Um, so. So if we're looking to particularly these little little saviors, what are we going to be at the end of the day? We're going to be disappointed. We have to look at the ultimate savior. And how is Jesus better than any of these other? In every way, in every yeah. But let's 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 yeah, like let's throw some of the things out there just so we can like. It was really interesting yesterday if you went to Doug's thing. It's like raise your hand if you you know were baptized by or had your child. And it was like. I think sometimes we say those things, but we don't actually like think through. Like, how how is Jesus better than than these judges? Like, in what ways? He never doubted. He always obeyed. He never sinned. Never sinned. 
I mean, the, ne the never doubted thing. Like, how did how did that work out? Like, he knew what he was coming to do from the beginning. He didn't put a fleece out. I mean, but he he did ask the Lord, like, you know, Lord, you know, like, this is gonna hurt. This is gonna be hard. But he didn't back down. He he didn't doubt. Uh, he he faced all of these things. Um, he stayed in fellowship with God mm -hmm. throughout his yeah. ministry. And he finished. Yeah. He, he had a crown of thorns on his head. That was interesting. Um, he finished the work. He finished the work. Not only did he finish it, but where is he now? He is interceding for us now. We'll learn about that in Hebrews more today, I think. Um, I hope Tim's preaching on it. And if he doesn't, that's going to be bad. Um, but there's, there's, there's this idea, uh, you know, like, not idea, but there's the concept of, you know, these these men died, and what happens after they die? Worm food. They're worm food, and what happens to all the people that were be, they were being led by? Same thing. Same thing. Jesus is so much better. It's because he he's still alive. He's still interceding. He's still active. He's still doing all these things. Okay, so Ruth, a short little one in in the midst of all of this. Um, Again, this is anonymous. There's a lot of people that think it was possibly Solomon that writing this. Um, the earliest date that the book could have been written, uh, they think, was during the time of David because of how it leaves the genealogy in there. Um, but we know that it itself tells us in there of when it was written in 1-1. It says, in the days of the judges. So we've, we've got Joshua, judges, and then inside of this, there's like this plot line that goes like, like zooms in like some kind of crazy movie of like oh here's an origin story of, of how we get you know David and, and what we're you know and ultimately Jesus but as, as we're looking at this all of a sudden we kind of like zoom in um, so why why we're first introduced into the characters uh, and and who's one of the first main characters that we that we meet in there who's identified there Naomi, Naomi. Uh, so we, we've got Naomi, and, and why is she not in the promised land? There's been a famine. Because there's a famine, and what did her husband do? Died. Well, he, he took and led them out of the promised land because he knew better, right? Because he's like, this is it. So there's all this understanding, too. Like, we think about, like, the thorns and the people, like, with pokey steers and stuff, but... The Lord was also like bringing famine to the promised land. So there's like we didn't cover any of that, but there's just this idea. So all of a sudden Naomi's out there, she's got her two sons, whatever sons do. Mary Mary Moabites, and then what does the Lord do? They die. They all die. Uh, and so all of a sudden Naomi's like, What's she gonna do? There wasn't life insurance back then. There wasn't life insurance back then. You you would have done well back then. Um, I don't know what people would have paid you in, but it, who knows? Um, so what what is what does Naomi do? Like what does she decide she's going to do now? She's going to go back home. She's going to go back home. But you learn later that she had some land waiting for her there. Yes. So she had at least something that she was thinking, maybe I can get something for this and at least live. Yeah. Well, it's like I'm I don't have anything. And she she describes that to these you know, two daughters-in-law. She's like, I, I, I'm I'm too old. I'm not gonna have any more kids. I'm just gonna marry me. Like I, I, and so what did what did she tell these two Moabite women? You go back to your people and find new husbands. You go live your life. I'll go live mine. This is a country song. It'll be okay. Um, type deal. Like so, she she heads back. But what does what does Ruth do? She clings. She clings. Why does she cling? 
Somebody read one 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 there. She knew God. I'll I'll read it. Hopefully I recorded it. What first? No, sorry. Sixteen. Sixteen. One sixteen. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Okay, so there's this escalation of like, I want to be with you, like, I like this, but ultimately, what does she end with? God. So we, we learn something about Naomi there, right? Is, is she is continuing on the heritage, continuing on this idea of what she's been taught. Uh, and that's one of the things that, that we haven't covered a whole lot on, but we see that there's a, there's a tremendous issue going on amongst the Israelite people. And, and what is that, particularly as, as they're living life? Like what is, what is one of the major pitfalls, one of the major things in which they forget to do time and time again? They're not training the next generation. They're not, they're not teaching God, or teaching about God. Like they're not training them, they're not discipling. They're, they're not like... Remember, Joshua said at the beginning, you know, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Like, there's some, how does that happen? Like, I'm just out there with, a, you know, an axe and like, hey, we're just going to go serve the Lord. Like, there's an understanding, there's a, there's a teaching aspect. And we see over and over and over again, throughout all the Old Testament, one of the, the common things we're going to see throughout this is one or two generations and what happens. It all, it all falls. It, even in, I think it's Joshua, or Judges, I can't remember which one of them. One of Moses' grandchildren is, like, leading the people all kind of crazy. It's like, your grandfather was Moses? Like, the guy that met, like, saw the, you know, the, the, the glory of the Lord? Like, you, maybe you even saw Grandpappy's face, and it was, you know, like, I, like there's this weird, like, yeah, no, they, they forgot. Like, they, they were not shown, um, shown that. But interesting enough, we see Ruth, and she's doing what? Her, Naomi, and she's doing what? She's teaching, okay? So as we go, uh, as we're kind of coming up on some time here, um, so Ruth goes with her. We see the whole thing about uh, her in the, you know, touching the, or sleeping at the foot of, you know, this Kingsman Redeemer and all these different, you know, interesting things. Uh, but but one of the, the questions that, that I'll put before you is, is this book more about Ruth or is it more about Naomi? Naomi. Are you sure? I'm sorry. No. <laughs> it's named Ruth, but but really, when we start looking at it, there's bookends at the beginning. Who does it open with? Naomi. Naomi. What if we can go to the F four here at the end? It's more about Jesus. It's more about Jesus. I know, but that's the well. It's you can say that about everything now. Um, Thanks, thanks for the correction there. Uh, <laughs> no, we look, let me read 4, 13 through 17. It says, Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And she went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you as a restorer of life and a nurture of your old age. And for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And the Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became the nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born of Naomi, the name of Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So we see this beautiful picture at the end of, of 
uh, Ruth, where all of a sudden we see this this light like pop back on on the scene, like the darkness, the the way in which you know the the, the judges are, are going down. But what do, what do we see in this? You mentioned earlier about the, the generations and how many. In Matthew, I remember it says there were 14 generations from Abraham to David. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what, what do we see all of a sudden come on the scene? King. We see a king. We see the promise. And, and what, what do we see? We see a redeemer. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we're talking about David here, but we're talking about the better David, the, the true and, and, and wonderful David. And so when we look at, at this Kingsman Redeemer, when we see all that, we see, like Jack said, Jesus. We see this beautiful picture of, even though all of this crazy stuff is going on, even though they've forgotten to teach their children, you know, their catechisms and all that type of stuff, um, um, they, they, by the end of it, the Lord is still faithful to his people. He's still calling them out. And so there's that hope for us as we, as we get depressed reading Judges and some of Samuel and all these types of things, there's, there's this hope that we're continuing to look for and being reminded of in this. So why don't I close this in prayer and we can head up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Again, we're thankful for uh, our Redeemer. We thank you for how we have been called. And Lord, as we are called into your worship uh, this morning, Lord, we pray that you would be with us as a church. Uh, we know that this will be the first time that we will have worshiped without um, Doug as our senior pastor. Lord, we pray that you would allow us to be joyful. We pray that you would allow us to be honest. And Lord, may we um, may we bring our burdens to you and lay them at the foot of the cross. And Lord, may we find refreshment in your grace this morning. And Lord, may we hear your word. May we hear the gospel preached and proclaimed. And Lord, may we apply it to our lives. Be with those that don't know you, that haven't seen you, or maybe those that are, are wandering and have forgotten. Lord, may they, may they be drawn back to you uh, this morning. In an awesome name we pray. Amen.